Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bibles director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mav Sports Take. We are episode 71, your unmuzzled sports talk, bringing you to the inner workings of the business of sports. I am Ryan Roberts at Rise and Draft. Make sure you go check out riseanddraft.com. Joined by Mr. David Turner, 18-year scouting vet across every every league, basically, in the uh, in at least the ones that matter, the NFL, CFL, and three straight Arena League championships with the Arizona Rattlers a part of their front office. Uh, David, I know it's been a crazy week. We're going to be getting into a lot of the, I mean, we, of course, we're always going to talk about Black Monday because you have been a part of a couple of these, right, where you have seen guys lose their jobs, getting ready to figure out what the next steps are. It's a, it's a and I want to preface this by saying we're going to discuss some of these openings, but let's remember as we're talking about this that people just lost their jobs, right? Like, let's, let's not just like poke fun. And they and uh, you know just kind of have have our little jokes about it, right? Like this is obviously a serious time for these people's lives. And then we're also going to be talking and, and just kind of recapping a little bit of the 33-18 Georgia victory over Alabama. So, David, we have a lot to get to, a lot of happening across the NFL and college football landscape. I'm fresh off my trip, obviously down to the College Gridiron Showcase down there in Fort Worth, Texas. Haven't been able to talk to you too much recently, David, with everything that's been going on. Obviously, you got a lot of things working as well. My question is, as I start with every single episode <laughs> for the last 70 before this one, how are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. It's just been, like you said, a very busy time. Um, you know, we always know the day after the, the season ends, decisions are made. Um, and obviously, this is holding true. Some surprising, as we'll mm-hmm. get into, and some not so surprising, and um, you know, some des- deserving of and some not so. But like you said, w- you know, when we talk about it, I know personally the impact of how these decisions not only affect the coaches, the head coaches that are talked about, but all the other coaches on the staff, uh, personnel people when a GM gets switched out. You know, a lot of, a lot of people are going to lose jobs right now, and these aren't million-dollar people. They're not people that have huge uh, bank accounts sitting behind them that, right. you know, the head coach got paid three to five million dollars, you know, and he's got a guaranteed contract for four to, you know, three to four years. So, you know, yeah, they have some money to live on. They have they, they're, they're, their kids aren't going to miss Christmas next year. Right. Yeah. But as some of the ki- the kids and the families of the people that trusted these coaches, move their families to coach with them and everything, you know, that that's real impactful. So, um, you know, we will talk about it and everything, but anybody who has a comment, whatever tonight, yeah, let's just make, make sure we keep the families in mind as we go through this. Yep, absolutely. And we are live on Twitter and on YouTube. If you have any comments, we're very interactive 
I think that, David, I think we should spend most of our times, obviously, on the firings and the carousel that is the NFL offseason already starting for the non-playoff teams. And then at the end, if, depending on what the time is, then we'll quickly recap a little bit of Alabama, Georgia. But I think that we need to put as much time into just kind of some of these moves and decisions and head scratchers. I think that that's probably the best thing to do. Before we get into that, we here at Maverick Sports Consulting would like to ask you to follow, subscribe, and take the charge to interact with us on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, David's favorite, TikTok, and other social media platforms. We are a company that is all about helping maximize your opportunities in front of you and your career. The only way we can support you is if we hear from you. Your takeaway for tonight's show should be that if you interact with us, we will find a way to help you in your career path. Reach out and we could do a Mavs episode on your topic or we could circle back with you to help with some individual attention. Don't wait. Reach out today at Mav underscore sports on all social media platforms. I always forget to mention, David, that we're live on TikTok because the great David Turner <laughs> loves TikTok. Big TikTok guy for people you don't know here. Uh, so, David, here, quick recap, and then I'm going to kind of play a little game with some of these um, some of these job openings now that are available. Okay, So, of course, the Raiders head coaching job has been vacant for a while with the John Cruden fallout. I'm just going through the, some of the openings right now. Jacksonville Jaguars with Urban Meyer. We have touched heavily on that situation. Slight surprise, maybe Vic Fangio let go as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Brian Flores relieved of his duties with the Miami Dolphins. The Minnesota Vikings head coach and GM, Mike Zimmer, of course, long time, been very successful for the most part with the Vikings. And Chris Spielman, who I think is one of the better GMs in the National Football League. But we'll get to that, I think, in a little bit. Of course, the Bears let go of Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace. That one was a little more, we kind of knew that that one was expected. And then after the retirement of Dave Gettleman as the Giants general manager, finally, because I think a lot of people were expecting it, and then it got delayed a little bit today, recording on a Tuesday here at Mav Sports Take, Joe Judge let go as the Giants head coach. So, David, the first game we're going to play, okay? Uh-oh. Okay. First game we're going to play. I'm going to count down from three to one, okay? So three, two, one, we're going to say our answer, okay? The most surprising vacancy that we now have out of these positions that just came open, okay? Okay. So it's going to be three, two, one answer. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Brian Flores. Yeah. (laughs) All right, there it is. All right, well, let's start Brian Flores because I think if my dad is watching, I'm sure that he would love us to kind of cover this one a little more in depth because I texted him and he was like, what? He hadn't seen the – but he's not a social media guy. So, like, I always get the kind of the tidbits before he does. So, Brian Flores, head coach, Miami Dolphins, took over three years ago. An awful football team. Like, I can't emphasize this enough. That Miami Dolphins roster in 2019 was about as bad as I've seen in the NFL. And them getting to, I think they got to five wins that year. Them getting to five wins that year was miraculous. I didn't think they were going to win a game. They were awful. Brian Flores did a great job his rookie year. Second year, he wins 10 games, David. Misses the playoffs, but goes 10-6 and six in his second season. This season, gets off to an okay start the first like two weeks, then hits a huge slide. It's like, you're like, oh man, the wheels have fallen off. And then he wins... Six of the last seven, or was it seven in a row? Some crazy number. Like I want to say it was eight of the last nine. 
in the last nine. It may have been it's so, definitely something. Anyway, he ended the season nine and eight, winning record. And well, yeah, the they, they were the first team. Hold on, they're the first team in yeah. NFL history to have a seven game slide and then a seven game winning streak, and then they and won then, again. So they, well, they lost, and then they won the, oh. the the end of the year. So that's why they won eight of the last nine. But they almost okay. won nine in a row. Yeah. So eight of the last nine, they end up with a winning record, and I mean down the stretch, although they're not playing the great toughest schedule down the stretch. I mean, eight out of nine wins in the NFL is eight out of nine wins in the NFL. Like, no matter how you want to kind of cut and dice that, right? So, your reaction, let's start with you, okay? So, we have two winning seasons and three seasons taking over a bad franchise. And I'll be honest, man. I'll be honest. I'm going to be very honest. There is a lot of holes in this Miami Dolphins roster. And I personally think, and I'm going to go a little more in depth on it, I think Brian Flores has pretty much done as good as he can with the roster that he's been given, but that is just my opinion. I would love to hear yours. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm I, I started the year questioning the roster because of last year's draft. Now, two years ago, the 19 draft, or I'm sorry, the 2020 draft, I thought they did a fantastic job. I really did. I thought they did a great job with that draft, utilized their picks and their positioning extremely well. 2021 draft, not so much. I had some head scratchers. I really wasn't sure what was going on there. Now, this year when they started out, again, then there was all the Deshaun Watson talk coming to town, having to manage his quarterback to a young, young, you know, quarterback, bring him along. Tua gets hurt. You know, their backup is okay, but he's not anything to speak of. Their running backs get hurt. They have injuries up and down the roster. And this guy, you know, got him hot, kept him hot to finish the year, which I was very impressed with because I, I first, I think I said it on the show maybe six weeks ago that Miami could be an opening. And I believe you came back with, no, they're not going to do that. And I was like, it could be because of where they were at at that time and the way their schedule was lined up at the back end. I thought they might have some problems and they might lose more games. And this guy took him out there, led him onto the field, and like you said, was a great coach, had him prepared, had good game plans, had that defense playing what I thought extremely well, mm-hmm. and the offense did enough to win games, obviously. So I was shocked. I thought he coached his way back into another year at the back end of the season. And once that quarterback talk went down, of uh, bringing Deshaun over, and if it was Tua – I thought the team really galvanized and really moved forward because there was certainty there. Now, I am hearing he didn't play well in the sandbox, but that's not surprising for a Bilicek disciple. Also, this owner, this owner, I believe, is one that wants J- Deshaun Watson on his team and wants him there. And I believe, I don't know this, I believe this, I yep. believe Flores was like, we're winning with Tua. Let's build up the offensive line. Let's do some other things. I don't need Deshaun to be a winning team down here. I'm showing you that. And not, you know, I and they're gonna give up four, like four first round draft choices or so to get Deshaun. And again, Flores doesn't come from that mindset. You know, he comes from the Belichick mindset where it's like you don't need to give up all that capital for one player and make that player and that contract weigh on you so heavily that now you can't build other places. 
and reward other people that have been here. So for me, when I heard it, I was like, what? And then I thought about the owner. Then I listened to the owner's press conference. And yep. the owner, obviously, they've been talking about – the owner's a big-time Michigan guy, okay? I don't know if you know that. He's a huge Michigan – University of Michigan guy. So he's working on an extension with Harbaugh up there to keep him at Michigan mm-hmm. while trying to get a new coach at his place and keep Harbaugh out of the NFL where he's rumored to go to the Raiders or somewhere else. So this owner loves drama. He loves complications. He loves having his hands in all over the place, but yet he doesn't live in Miami. He lives in New York. And so Flores isn't a politic type coach, right? He's a coach that's going to be, I'm going to get my team ready each and every week. I don't really have a good bedside manner, but who really cares? You know, the the, the wins and losses should have kept this man in his job. And I don't think he'll be out of a job long. Well, no, and I think we 100% agree on that. I think that he is definitely not going to be out of the job very long. I wouldn't be surprised if he just gets another head coaching job, which is not usually how it happens. Usually, quote-unquote, retreads are guys that have to wait maybe a year. Like, there's kind of a transitional year. Maybe they're out of football for a year. Maybe they're, you know, analysts on the back end. Like, whatever. Usually, they're out of kind of the, the limelight for a second, and then they come back in. I wouldn't be surprised if he is a head coach in the NFL for another football team next year. It's funny, though. Because we don't have the absolute truth. A lot of speculation get thrown out. David, I've actually heard the complete opposite of what you just said. I've heard that Brian Flores is a Deshaun Watson guy. He was the one that was pushing for it. And the ownership wanted Tua. They wanted Tua. They wanted him to play Tua. That's why there was all that back and forth with him taking him out of football games and not showing me heavy belief, quote-unquote, and then there was supposedly an altercation after the Tennessee Titans game, not a, not like a physical one or whatever, but there was one back and forth between Flores and Tua that apparently was something that may have been the straw that broke the camel's back in, in a degree. So I am interested to see what the real story is that's going to come out because you apparently are hearing something completely different than I am. We don't know if either hey, one side is correct. Is if Deshaun Watson's a Finn next year, we know whose side was right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. So if Deshaun Watson, I agree. If Deshaun Watson is a Dolphin next year, we will know that that was because of Flores' allegiance to Tua or vice versa. If Tua's the guy and they don't take a move for Deshaun, maybe Deshaun ends up with the Eagles or a different organization, then we obviously know the the make the make the inner workings of what this issue was. So very interesting one. I think we both agree, though. I mean, we both did agree. That was the one that, like, I was like, really? That, like, I expected, like, Chris Greer to maybe be out of a job, you know? And then to see what happens there, maybe both of them, I guess, if Greer is gone, because, you know, usually general managers and head coaches are kind of joined by the hip a little bit. But Yeah, I mean, Greer's been a Dolphin for over 20 years. He was there when I was there. Like, Chris mm-hmm. was a scout when I was there. Yeah, And so him and the ownership, it went from Wayne Huizinga back then when Eddie Jones was the president and then Brian Widmeyer was the president. And now, you know, Greer's still there. So knowing how – Chris is a very smart man knowing how to work a room, right? Yeah. And they're saying Flores didn't know how to work the room. So we see what's, what's working there. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, 
It's just unfortunate, man, because honestly, like coming into the year, um, as kind of just an outsider, I was like, I like where the Dolphins are going, you know? And I think that it was mostly because of the coaching, because again, when you look at this roster, I think there's malpractice here, man. Like you could literally upgrade at any single position on that offensive line, like substantially, not just like a little upgrade where you're always trying to make upgrades if you can. Like, legitimate, like, you could have five new starters. I mean, I, I think they want to keep Robert Hunt, obviously, in place at right guard, but, like, even he's replaceable if you have the right guy, right? Like, there's just so many holes, I think, in the, not, in the most important positions on the team, like offensive line. That's, ah, whatever. Pass rush. Like, they need guys, man. And I just, I think that that's more a failure of a general manager and the scouting well, and, department. And, they- and they talked about Vance Joseph today as a rumor to fill that position, which for what? For what? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I was gonna say out here, you know, Vance the last couple of years hasn't been too hot, and then Chandler and Watt team up this year, and they got the two young, you know, stud linebackers the last two drafts, and now he's looked better. Obviously, as a defensive coach, he's looked better, um, but they still have had a slide, and to end the year. I mean, the Seahawks, you know, did their thing. So, and the Seahawks weren't like going to the playoffs here. So, um, you know, again, I think they're gonna they're gonna struggle if they don't find a thirty-four defensive coordinator. Honestly, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there and like honestly, you would have to think of like whoever gets the job. Vic Fangio might be their defensive coordinator. Because he was a great defense coordinator. Great defense coordinator. Incredible, and he would know that personnel, and he'd know what to do with it, and he would he would probably be really good for that building as far as – I know I've worked with him at the Niners. Really good man, incredible individual. I don't know if he would choose that for himself, but I'm just saying as an organization, he would be a good fit for them if if you know if they get the right head coach. I agree there. I agree there. I mean, Vic, anybody could use a Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator. Let's be honest. Like, he is a fantastic – I mean, if Denver's done anything right under him, they have been a very good defensive unit year in and year out. So he can definitely coach defense. I don't think anybody will question that one. All right, Dave, let's play the game one more time. Ready? And then we'll kind of go a little quicker through this. Ready? Okay. Aside from the Dolphins' head coaching vacancy, I guess we'll just say a team instead. What vacancy or vacancies – is the next most surprising to you? All right. The next most surprising to you. Okay. Wait one minute. Let me look at the list one more time. I'm sorry. I had. To, I, I. I literally led. It's this. your I'm game, going, and you're not I even know. prepared to play your game. Okay. Ready? Yeah. We're just gonna say the team name, but you have to say it at the same time as me, or if it doesn't have the effect. So get. So let's go here. Ready? Oh, you ready? Play it on three. All right. I'm counting down from three. Three to one. Ready. Three. Two, one, Vikings. Minnesota. You were yeah. late. You were late. Come on, man. Listen, we're playing rock, paper, scissors, and you don't know what you're doing. So you're I'll going go too slow. You're so, going too slow. I don't think it's any surprise the coach got axed at Minnesota. They missed the playoffs. You know yeah. why? They, they blew a ton of late, late games this year. I think they blew five leads in the fourth quarter, which as a coach you just can't uh, you know, expect to keep your job at that point. But having uh, Spielman out as a uh, as a G as a GM with the way that roster is lined up right now, I mean they have a lot of good talent on that roster, and they've had a lot of good talent while Spielman was there. 
Now, people yeah. will cuss them out about Cousins, and I'm not one to cuss them out because I know Rick and I like him. But I don't think Cousins was the best choice ever. But at the same time, Cousins has won a lot of games for him. And Cousins has been a really good leader and a, a member of their community. I mean, it's everything you want in a quarterback, to be honest with you, besides the Super Bowl wins. So I, I really don't know what they would expect from Rick Moore out of up there. I mean, if they're like, well, this is – I think this was his second head coach. And they're like, well, you know, he needs to do better at the head coaching position. I'm like, well, give him a third try because I'll tell you this. That team last year was ginning, and that team this year was playing decent ball. I mean, Thielen doesn't get hurt. Maybe they win a lot, you know, a little bit more. But you know, he, they have had to deal with Cook getting hurt, Thielen getting hurt, uh, problems off the field that you know were unforeseeable. With some, I think Cook's parent, mom, or somebody passed away. Um, so again, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so again, you don't know how, you know how to count. You're messing up your stuff. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's the way it goes. Uh, everybody knows. You watch the show, you know. It's the way it goes. Uh, so, you know, I, I will not be surprised if Rick Spielman is the next GM of the uh, of the New York football giants. Okay. That's fair. All right. So, I, I am on a similar wavelength here, okay? I really like Mike Zimmer. I have liked Mike Zimmer since he was the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys and the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he's a good football coach. I think he's a great defensive mind. Okay, let's get that straight. I'm not surprised he's gone, though, because he had gone through a couple losing seasons in a row. And I think it's similar to, and it's not the same, because I do think Andy Reid is a, is a better head coach than Mike Zimmer. But when Andy Reid was at the Philadelphia Eagles, he eventually plateaued. Like, he just couldn't get there, you know? Like, he had hit his best, and then it started going trending down in the wrong direction. I feel like that's what happened with Mike Zimmer. He hit the best he could do. They were a perennial double-digit win team. They were making playoffs. They were going to the NFC Championship game. Like, they were a good football team, and he was a good coach. But they hit their ceiling. They can't get there. And now they're on the downtrend because, like you mentioned a little bit, Kirk Cousins is kind of handicapping that roster a little bit, just a little bit, man. A lot of money tied up into who is a good, solid quarterback, but not a guy that's going to take you to that next level. So I'm not surprised Zimmer's gone. I really do like Zimmer, though. And I don't know if he would ever want to go back to – I feel like he might be a, a head coach again at some point. I don't think it'll be this year, obviously, but like maybe some point. I don't know if he would ever want to go back to defensive coordinator, though, because he was just he was that role for so long. I, I don't know if that would be in his near future, to say the least. Um, well, again, yeah. the relationships lead you everywhere. Mm -hmm. And there's a few coaches that I think if they get jobs, will call them up and ask him. Because look at what's going on with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn went straight from head coach to defensive coordinator and now this year, with all these openings, his dance card's wide open again. He's got a ton of people calling on him to go for these head coaching interviews. Um, and it's only taken him one year on a on a Dallas roster that, again, I don't think either one of us are, like, in love with. I mean, if they didn't take Parsons, I wouldn't love that roster hardly at all. But with Parsons, I mean, he's just a different – him and Gregory together on the field makes it so hard to block that defense up front. But that all being said, and it's re you know it's reinvigorated Quinn's career here to be maybe a head coach this year. So that's what I'm saying. Like if Quinn winds up going to a team as a head coach, 
Jerry might call Zim up and be like, hey, Bubba. Been here before. You've yeah. been here before. I love you. <laughs> and I'll pay you more than what you're worth to come come coach it up because I don't want this defense to take a slip from what we had with Dan last year, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get that. And that's a, that's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about, like, obviously the past relationship there. Uh, I was get, I was getting to the point, though, that you made a similar one. They're in, they're, in my opinion, and I don't know if you disagree with this, David. I don't know if people out there in the Twitterverse or TikTok land want to disagree with this, but is there five general managers in the NFL that are better than Rick Spielman? Are there? Like, Rick Spielman's excellent, in my opinion. I, I, I am just... I'm like looking at this man. And again, I know sometimes head coach GMs are attached by the hip. I know that some will probably blame him for the Kirk Cousins thing, which is handicapping your roster a little bit. Like, I get that. I understand that. I accept that. But man, Rick Spielman's a really damn good general manager. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with him being let go. I just, I mean, I, I don't agree with him being let go. I yeah. may, I may, I may, and and it wasn't as as surprising as the Flores thing, just with like the timing and the amount of time he's been with the Dolphins, all type of stuff. When we were talking about this game, right? But out of all these moves, I mean, he's obviously the best at what he does of these firings that we've seen so far, and he's the lead, He's the most surprising in the sense that, like, he is heavily qualified for his job, but he has a great track record. And then all of a sudden. Out of the job, just like that. It's pretty crazy, man. And that's why I say the Giants' move today by firing Joe Judge makes me think Spielman's going there. Okay. Because yesterday when the retirement come of Dave Gettleman, if you saw the names that were coming out to interview, they were all people attached to Joe Judge. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now Spielman's on the, on the street. And suddenly Tish and Mara are fine separating from the coach. <laughs> so I think, and Spiel, I know I've worked with Rick and I've worked in the Giants building. Spielman is a giant type guy. Like he's a Giants guy. You know, he really, he is, he's, he's progressive thinking. He's, he's very mature and service oriented. I mean, he's a guy that's done it. He's one of the best, like you said, one of the best on the street. I've known him for 20 years, right? And I think personally he fits the Giants and what they're looking for, which is stability. You look at, he was at Miami, and then he went to Minnesota. He's stuck at both places for many, many years. So now you bring him into the Giants. The Giants, I think, would look like a super winner getting a Rick Spielman to come and be there versus a young GM. I love the young GM candidates. We'll get into that conversation. I know we're running long on a couple of these conversations we're having right now, but um, I think Spielman is a Giants is a Giants guy, and I would be surprised if they went a different direction and didn't bring him in. Well, David loves his G-Man, man. So, like, let's get into it then, David. Let's talk about it a little bit. First and foremost, before we talk about Joe Judds, because I know that'll be a good conversation, Dave Gettleman retiring, man. You obviously have a, have a very close relationship with him. Just your general thoughts on the uh, retirement right now. Um, I didn't want to see it, obviously. Yeah. I texted him the day before, and I said to him, listen, if it is it, if the rumors are true, 
I hope you get a chance to really just take it in tomorrow and soak it up and the boys play a good game for you, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, he deserves it. Uh, I think that team is an offensive line away from being a really good team. That defense has some ballers up front. You know, they didn't take Parsons, which is what I wanted them to do. But this this year's draft now, they got picks, I think, six and nine or something like that. So they're going to have two top ten picks, and they have more collateral throughout the draft this year than a lot of other teams to do and make a make a splash. And then they have some, you know, they got to do some creative work on the cap and free agency. Um, but, you know, uh, Dave Gettleman is a man that was self-made. Uh, he started at the Buffalo Bills as an intern. They Then he worked his way into uh, a position there. You know, he was a teacher and a coach, and he had a wife and kid at home. And he told her, I want to try this football thing. And she told him to go ahead. And, you know, he's worked his way up from the bottom. His talent, his ability to write players, know players, put them all together, see them quick and not doubt himself. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really unproven if you really look at all the players he's responsible for. I mean, he won Super Bowl rings in, my, or in Denver. He won them in New York. He brought a failing franchise with that was totally cap-strapped when he got a hold of it in Carolina to a 15-1 and record into a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he... He's done so much, which a lot of people don't appreciate, but those of us that know him and love him, we appreciate. Um, you know, I wouldn't be in this chair and have all my rings and everything that I've done without the teachings and the knowledge that that man gave and passed on to me. So I didn't want to see it. I still don't like it. But, you know, he's he is, uh, you know, he's on the street. You know, someone could pick him up, Bears. Um <laughs> Plug, quick plug there. Quick Bears. Plug there, Bears. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I just really want you to comment, obviously, David. I mean, we, we've spent a lot of time, obviously, digging into your experiences. So I just want you – obviously, I don't know Dave personally. So I want to just kind of give you the floor. Before we rip apart Joe Judge, I know you were happy about this one, David. I know you weren't happy with David Gilbert. Again, his job, so, like, not going to be a complete jerk about it, right? But this one was about as expected as I think that a job. I'll tell you what, it wasn't expected. Joe Judge was not expected. At all? I got inside the building people saying the coach is going to survive. The coach is going to. And I'm like, there's no way the coach is going to survive. They're like, yes, the coach is going to wind up staying. And I'm dying. I'm like, if Dave's asked to walk and he walks the plank and the coach gets to keep his job after the crap we just watched, that coaching that we just watched all damn year, oh, my, I was livid. I was going to come on here tonight, and that coach having a job, I was going to lose my ever-loving fucking mind. <laughs> you did so well there for a second to not curse, and then you ended up cursing, man. Ah, oh, fuck. But it's, but it's sir, seriously, like this guy, he said publicly he's going to take the first four games as an extension of training camp you have four winnable games in the beginning of your season and you got a young team 
and you think you're Bill Belichick, that you can have an extension of training camp? You haven't won that many games, Bubba, and you got a young team. You got to come out blazing. And they have the chance. They had the Broncos at the beginning of the year. Then remember, they went to a Thursday night game where Washington just had lost Fitzpatrick the week before, and they're playing mm-hmm. this kid named Heineke. And now, and and then they had, I think they had, I think Philly or somebody, and then they had Dallas. So they had three of the four that were winnable games right out the gate. And this guy, this guy just shits the bed. He just shits himself right down his leg. And and I'm like. And then I heard him say it was an extension of training camp to really know what I had and this and that. I'm like, that's not a coach looking to win this year. That's not a coach that knows how to win in the NFL because you got a you got a ton of talent that you're going to be facing, and you're allowing yourself to just keep learning in regular season. Like, dude, if you're not ready for the test, don't sit in the seat. Mm-hmm. I was just idiotic. Now I know Jason Garrett. Wasn't the best play caller. I'm not going to sit here and defend him at all. But at the same time, it, you got to think about with uh, he brings in Freddie Kitchens. Now, Freddie ain't good for any building. None. Zero. Okay? And you got Freddie sitting there in your office. I wouldn't have called that play. I ought to plug it over here. Blah, 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 blah. And then you got Jason down the hall with his meeting trying to game plan, it's like, what is going on here? Like, seriously, you can't have that. Then he, he finally lets Jason go, which we know is the ownership's guy. That was the ownership's guy. Mm-hmm. But they let Jason go, and he puts in Freddie. And if you watch the games that Freddie called plays, I know it's not your offense, Freddie, but if you're a play caller – you called zero plays, bro. Like uh, you, uh, you didn't put a game plan together. Let me put it this way: you called plays, but none of them built on top of each other for the next thing. You were out there playing checkers, and the rest of the league's playing chess. So you're a big Freddie Kitchens fan, is what you're saying? That's what I'm getting out of this, dude. Tell me. Listen to listen to freaking. Uh, <laughs> Listen to uh, Patricia Trainer's show. When I mean, every week I went on after the game, and I was just livid about this guy. I can't stand him. And people were like, "You're being hard on Freddie." No, I'm not. I've watched Freddie his whole career. I know he's a play caller. That's why he's good in college, because in college you can call a certain play, and it doesn't have to build on something else. But in the NFL, you got to call a play in the first quarter that maybe somewhere in the third or fourth quarter comes to be. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and I, I, I actually have listened to your show with Patricia Trina when you when you're on there, so I do understand your distaste for him. Um, I all I'll say this man is some coaching hires, some coaching hires. When it happens, you just kind of go, "That's not going to end real well," you know. Like like you just you listen to a guy talk, and you listen, and you just see the background, and you're just like. And I love when he was hired. Everyone was like, "Oh, he could be the next, could be the next John Harbaugh as the special teams coach." And blah 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 blah. Ah, uh, yeah, didn't end too well. Didn't end too well. And he actually had a decent start, right, David? Like he had the team playing for him in his first year. They were playing tough, but like, man, some of his antics were just like so high school coachy. And, and I'm allowed to say that because I am a former high school coach. 
Oh, go go run some laps. Do this. Blah, blah. Shut up, guy. You're coaching men now. You're not coaching little kids. Joe Judge deserved to be out of there. I was shocked on Monday when it didn't happen. And there were reports that he was going to keep his job throughout the weekend in, into Monday. I'm just like, dude, they can't. They, they can't. They dude, even can't. On the, dude, even on the show, even on the game, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, there's a flash. Uh, ownership has said Joe Judge will be back. I'm like, bulls. I'm like, oh, man. Should have heard the crap coming out of my mouth when I read that mm-hmm. on the thing. I think it was Jay Glazier who said it live. And then on the ticker on Fox, it, it came across. And I was like, this better not be the case. This better not be the case. So my question is, though, because you said that you had some inner workings of – well, inner workings. You said you had some people inside the building that were saying, like, he's going to keep his job. He's going to keep his job. What happened that it was this quick of a turnaround to get axed? I mean, like – Well, again, I'm telling you, yep. he was – in my informed opinion – Mm-hmm. He was supposed to keep his job when he put his head on a pillow last night. That's what I'm saying. Like, what happened? <laughs> My opinion. Now, this isn't informed. That part's not informed. My yep. opinion now is that Rick Spielman became available, and I think they made a call and they said, "Hey, would Rick want? Does Rick want some time off, or is he ready to saddle up and let's go?" Mm-hmm. And if Rick said, "No, I'm ready to saddle up, let's go again." I will not surprise me if that man at the end of this week or beginning of next week is the Giants GM. It will not. Interesting. Did David Turner just give us some inside inside info? I know you said it was speculation, so I'm just kidding, of course. But that's uh well yeah, they're gonna they have to do their interviews, they have to do their due diligence, but it will not surprise me if at the end of the day that's mm-hmm. who we see in the giant blue. Interesting to keep an eye out there for the New York Giants. Uh, just a whole bunch of mess, man. Uh, David, let's get through a couple more of these because I think we're only down to two. Yeah, two. Okay. Uh, we mentioned them briefly earlier. It wasn't like a super surprise, but for some reason I thought Vic Fangio might keep his year, keep his job for one more year because they had you know injuries at quarterback. And they, I mean, they had injuries all over that offense, to be honest. Like Cortland Sutton was out for a decent amount of time. Jerry Judy was out for a decent amount of time. There were injuries working just along that offense, and we saw the defense was still one of the better defenses in the league, and they What's were competitive. That tight end I can't pronounce? Uh, no, not no offense. You're talking about Albert Aquagnubam? Aqu- 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 yeah, something like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was we out call, for we call, a while. We call him Albert O. We call him Albert O. Yeah. Albert O was out for a while. Judy was out. Cortland uh-huh. was out. Um, but the defense played. They traded. Von Miller, then that Good. defense still played well. They had a rookie starting corner that played extremely well. They had the running back, uh, Williams and Gordon. I mean, the two-headed monster was running really well. Yep. They were they were sharing reps, and, you know, certain games, one would go off. Other games, the other one would go off. You know, it was interesting to watch how it was developing. So – while I thought I heard rumors that Nick uh, Vic was going to be out, I was watching them play, and I was like, "Man, these guys play hard for Vic." And I, I don't, you know, when you see a team playing hard for a, a coach, it's it's interesting when you make a. You better not screw that 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 uh, trade up. If, if you better not trade down, because 
This is interesting. I don't know if it was the best move. I love George. You know that. I love George Payton as much as I love Dave Gettleman. I love them both. Um, but I, I, I really want to see who he gets. I really want to see. Because I know George loves Stefanski. When Stefanski went to Cleveland, George wanted to go and be that GM there because he really believed in that coach. Okay. I don't know. I was watching the coaching interviews that, you know, I think they have like nine interview requests out or seven or nine now already for their job. And I don't know if any of them really fit George except for the defensive coordinator. I think it was at Philly because he had already been at Minnesota. Oh, man. Oh, uh, you're, ta- you're talking about Jonathan Gannon? What are you talking about? Yeah, he had been at Minnesota for four years or something where George was there. And he was assistant DB coach or something before he went on to wherever he was. Um, I, I'm, 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 his resume is not coming up in my brain right now. But um, that's that's the only one that to kind of fit. Uh, I think other ones might be some favorites of friends of his. You know, when I saw who the agent was on a couple of these, I thought, okay, these are maybe some favors here. But, um, yeah, I haven't seen I, – I don't think I've seen the name of the next Broncos coach pop up yet, so – I'm still, I'm still kind of holding out what's going on there. Yeah, and I mean, quick note on Jonathan Gannon. I posted this yesterday because, you know, I'm the right side of Philly. I think Eagles fans would be quite okay if Jonathan Gannon takes a head coaching job, man. Well, I can't believe he's getting tossed around in head coaching opportunities. His defense has been so spotty and lackluster and just passive all season. They've beaten up on some bad football teams like Jake Fromm-led New York Giants, but like – Hey, they're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. They got go look, chance. They go got look at their go look at their second half of the season, man. Show me a quality team that they beat. Just show me one. Just a one quality team. I just hey, asked for it. Brian Flores beat the crap out of everybody. He's on the street. So, you know. Yeah, I know, but but Brian Flores just came off of a 10-win season as well. Like we're we're you know discounting two out of three winning seasons there. Uh, opposed to Nick Sirianni and his head coaching antics, but like we'll talk about that another time. Uh, Philly fans out there, I'm, I apologize. Yeah, really. we got. Not, play, I don't I'm apologize. Not, but. I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not this mean. I promise. I'm not this mean. But yes, I'm. I'm really not. I'm. I'm a nice. Really guy. Really nice guy. Um, I will say this, David. I think this is an overused term. This is an overused term. 100. percent They're a quarterback away. Overused. So overused. I think the Broncos are actually a, head, a quarterback away, man. Like they are a good to very good starting quarterback away from being dangerous, in my opinion, because there's talent everywhere. On that defense, we talked about a ton. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, the two-headed running back. Offensive I line. like Patrick. The, 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 the solid. Very solid. Yeah, 100%. It's a good yeah. team, man. It's good. It, it, I, again, I think they're very good, very well built. They got two tight ends. They got three receivers. They got two backs. Gordon's probably gone. They'll draft another one this year, which, again, this draft's got, yeah. got options. Um. And then again, yeah, I mean, they thought Teddy B was going to be the guy, and he he won games for him until he got hurt, you know. But that's Teddy B's thing; he's going to get hurt, you know. So, you know, we'll see what George does there at quarterback. I don't really think this draft is deep there, but we'll get down the line on all that. We still got Raiders and Jacksonville, I think, to go. So, mm-hmm. um, well, well, we talked about Jacksonville. We're not going to we're not we're not going to beat the dead horse, and we're not going to beat the Raiders because we've we've talked about that a little bit. The last one, though, that we haven't talked about. Well, we talked about a little bit because remember the rumors that Matt Nagy was out like during the season. Remember that it was like great. No, it was like it was like the Friday after Thanksgiving. You're going to lose your job. 
And then they, they go, no, we never said that. Really? Well, uh, I guess they just changed their mind with the time because there was a lot of backlash on the time, <laughs> including from us. But, all right, so. No, we killed them on the time. We uh, Go back yeah. and watch that, that episode. We yeah. killed them on that timing, yeah. So all I'll say is the writing was on the wall for Matt Nagy for a long time. Obviously, the Miss Pan, uh, there's just, yeah, not a good head coach. Like, let's just call it what it is. Brian Pace, like, he's not a good general manager, in my opinion. He's okay. And it's just kind of ran its course a little bit. Like, again, just there's there's holes in that roster all over the place. So I'm not I'm not surprised by either. I didn't know if I necessarily thought it was a package deal, but I definitely expected Matt Nagy to be gone. I think everybody did at this point. I so. expected the package deal just because of the way they're tied together. Okay. Me personally, I know Ryan, again, a guy I've known. Great name. Great name. Go ahead. A guy I've known since he was in uh, New Orleans as a personnel guy and I was in Oakland. We, you know, we, were, we developed a friendship. He's a guy that, you know – I, I don't understand why he didn't put more emphasis on offensive line. And that's the area I thought they struggled with over his tenure the most. thought the yep. defense was always had talent. Defense always had talent. It was always good there. Um, but the yep. offensive line and the quarterback situation were two areas I thought they struggled through his tenure as a GM. And he made moves to get Nick Foles there. And, you know, he did things uh, – he, he, he traded up to get uh, Trubisky – so these were just moves in which when he did it, you know, then they struggled and they were wrong. That's where I think he wrote his his check on out of there, okay? Um, because, again, you traded up to get Trubisky and you passed on some very good quarterbacks that got drafted after that. So, you know, those – yeah, those that success – I think is a hard anchor not to, or a hard anchor to share or to shed. So that one, those ones didn't, honestly, those were probably the least two, the two least surprising to me, you know, mm-hmm. besides Jacksonville firing their head coach. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I wasn't a surprise there. Now I think the bears, I saw that they were talking about interviewing Ed Dodds and I tweeted it out. I said an Ed Dodds and Brian Flores, Flora, Flores uh, combination mm-hmm. it, it would be incredible at the Bears. Like that would be that would be super fun to watch because Ed Dodds knows personnel. He's a fiery Texan type attitude, and Flores. I think that would be fun to watch those two work together and be in Chicago. I mean, that would be a lot of fun for me um, to watch them develop that roster. So that would be interesting um, down there. But, again, they can also bring in a guy like a GM, a guy like Gettleman, or I heard they're uh, interviewing um, Ireland, you know, guys that have done it before. A name yeah. that, that hasn't come up too much that I think should is Brian Gain. You know, he got one year as a GM at the Texans before they ousted him down there, and he's been in Tennessee doing a great job as, uh, I think, the pro personnel director there. So, you know. For me, that's another name that people should be should be looking at um, in this cycle. And even it, honestly, even sitting in a chair in the building at the Bears is a guy named Champ Kelly. Champ is a very good personnel guy, and I think he would make a, a great GM. He interviewed at the Denver Broncos. I know a lot of people on the staff last year who didn't know jo- George. 
uh, were worried about George, but they really wanted Champ. They loved him. They wanted to bring him home, kind of is what they were thinking, is bring Champ home uh, to be their GM. So there's some good young personnel guys out there um, that are, I think, ready to take the reins and, mm-hmm. and, and run a little bit. But, you know, you still have a John Dorsey. You have a, a Jerry Reese who's two-time Super Bowl winning GM. You know, I mean, you can't sit here and, and sneeze at those two rings. They're there. Um, then you got Gettleman on the street. And like I said, you got Rick Spielman on the street. I mean, think about this. If you're the Bears, are you calling Rick Spielman and saying, come on over? And, you know, you know our division. You know our rivals. And you can, uh, you know, help us win this win this whole uh, NFC North. And Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play forever. So, you know, build us up a, a couple years and then, boom, here we go. Yeah, and I, I've already saw um, I already saw going back to, to Brian Flores for a second. I've already seen his name kind of get thrown out there with the Bears. So I think there is some early interest, obviously, there. And like I said, I, I can't – I mean, just speaking for Brian Flores, I'm going to let you handle more of the general manager because you know a lot of those guys. You've worked with a lot of those guys. You know their backgrounds a lot more than I do in the general manager world and the scouting world, I should say. So I think that Brian Flores is not going to be out of a job very long, and Bears are the early guys that everyone keeps talking about. So a quick recap of the National Championship coming up. Before that, Maverick Sports Consulting was created to help professionals in the sporting community to showcase their passion in a professional manner. Whether that is to help you when approaching an interview, create a social media marketing plan, marketing plan, excuse me, or helping you prepare to take a Wonderlick test, which doesn't exist anymore in the combine circles, we are here to help you maximize your opportunities. Please head over to maversportsconsulting.com. Come find your Advantage package today. So, David, last thing we want to hit on real quick. We're doing great on time, by the way, until you start talking your your, uh, your butt off here. Uh, 33-18, Georgia victory over Alabama. The first time – actually, I'm sorry, second time – that a former Nick Saban coach has beaten Nick Saban. And the first time that Kirby Smart has done so in the biggest stage, we've seen Kirby Smart fall flat to Nick Saban on the biggest stage once in the national championship game. And of course, one time in the SEC championship this year, David, a lot of the bets were going in Georgia's favor. So obviously people thought Georgia was going to, because it it is very hard. They had 10 points. They had, Well, of course, but uh, all I'm saying is it's very hard. Well, I was going to say it's very hard for a team to beat the same team twice in a year, especially twice in a month, man. Like that's kind of, that doesn't happen a ton in college football. So we saw 33-18 victory. Of course, that that game was a lot closer than the 33-18. Yeah, it was 9-6 at halftime. It was 9-6 at halftime, and it was 26-18 with like a minute left or like a minute and a half left. And of course the interception return for a touchdown by Kaylee Ringo. That makes it a little more lopsided than it actually was. General thoughts, reactions, surprises. Like what are some things that you took away from this game? I took away that there's a lot of players on that field last night that are going to be playing on Sunday. There's a lot, man. There's, there's a lot. lot. There's a lot. <laughs> I'm saying I don't care who won the game recruiting for those two schools. After that game last night, through the roof. Not only because of what 31, that defensive stud over there at Alabama. Anderson. Well, Anderson, yeah. Uh-huh. But 15, that freshman Turner kid 
on the the, the, the other outside linebacker or whatever. Oh, Dallas, Dallas Turner, man. The kid's a freak. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. When you see those guys line up, and then they come the way they came last night, and I'll get to the big fellas in the middle of that D line in a second. Don't you didn't get you didn't get missed. I saw you, but those two outside freaks. Now, if you got Alabama in your living room, go. We see you being an outside linebacker for us, and you know in your head those two are coming right before you. Like holy smokes! Like those two freaks were just like unbelievable to watch last night. Thirty-one was it Anderson? Woo! That sucker, man. They lined him up inside, outside. He was chasing things. I mean, he played his dargon tail off last night. I mean, he. That, they're, that, they're, comparing, they're comparing him early to Derek Thomas, obviously with the Alabama ties. Kid is a freak, man. Absolute freak. I don't know what year he is. I don't know what he sophomore. is. Sophomore, true sophomore, man. True sophomore. <laughs> with him, with him and that Turner kid coming back next year. True, true freshman Turner. Crazy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's just it, that defense is going to be sick. And then you talk about the big boys in the middle. I mean, both for Georgia and for Alabama, those big boys in the middle. Ninety-five for Georgia was a wrecking ball last night. Like, he was just manhandling people. He was twisting. He was stunting. He was just dumb. It was just, and again, the offensive lines aren't bad here, folks. These are guys that are going to be playing on Sunday, too. And these defenses were just loaded, and they were doing some crazy things. It was just unbelievable to watch. That first half, you know me, I'm a defensive guy. I was a kid in a candy store watching Dean patrol the middle of the field, you know, the linebacker for uh, Georgia. Watching him patrol that middle of the field, and t- was it Tahu Tahu Del Sal alumni? By the way, Del Sal alumni Tahu 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 Tahu. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching him patrol, I was just like, man, I was in love. I was. <laughs> Those corners for Georgia are long. They were making plays. What really hurt? What really hurt? Obviously, Alabama was. Menchie wasn't there. Okay, he had gotten hurt, mm-hmm. and then Williams going out <clears throat> on that freak play. And I didn't hear today uh, if they talked about what it was or not. Torn ACL. Torn ACL. Yeah. Which is tough because uh, you're talking about national championship game, and that kid, was he a true sophomore, I think? No, he. so he is actually a senior, fourth-year oh. senior. He can return, obviously. He has the extra COVID year. He's a transfer from Ohio State, which is pretty crazy, David, because he may have been the fourth receiver on, Alabama, on uh, Ohio State. Ohio State, State yeah. State. But he, of course, he turns into – maybe the best receiver in the nation this year, like insane. But yeah, that was the moment, honestly, for me, because I was like, Alabama, like it, they didn't pull away, right? For like the first half, they, I thought, I don't want to say dominated, but like, I thought they had the advantage. And then to the they third did. Quarter, they had 248 yards to like 149 yards. Like but, they were but, but then as soon as Williams got hurt, I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Because all, I mean, and all these Alabama receivers that were playing, they're going to be studs down the road. Let's call it what it is. They are going to be absolute studs, but they're all freshmen, right? Like at this stage, it was just a little too bright at the moment for them. And I thought Bryce Young did a great job keeping him in it. Obviously, he forced up that last interception, which was a bad decision on his part. But like he willed a bunch of young freshman receivers and no running game behind him along and kept them in the football game, obviously. But I, the minute that Williams got hurt, man, I was just like, man, I don't, I, I, that's it. 
they're already down Mechie, like you said, and their running game is not going. Brian Robinson was just like, eh, like he wasn't like it was a hit or miss type of night for the running game. And then you lose Williams, who's the dynamic weapon, who I think had like four catches for almost 70 yards and very limited action. Like he was on pace for a huge game. Once he went down, I was just like, I don't know if they have enough firepower here, man, because I don't think Georgia's offense is great, but they it's just when we don't have Williams and Mechie combined, I just feel like it was handicapped so much for the effectiveness they could have, obviously. Yeah, no, totally. And and Chase Daniels uh, made a couple throws that were really nice, especially that. Chase Daniel. You know what Chase Daniels oh, right. made a You're talking about Mr. Stetson Bennett, baby. Stetson, Stetson Bennett. Bennett. Sorry, Stetson Bennett <laughs> made, made that one heave to Patrick, which I was I was excited to see. Patrick make that catch because he's a big time talent. He struggled coming back from that knee injury. Oh, you're talking about Pickens. You're talking about George Pickens. Pickens. Yeah, you know he's he knows he's Carl Pickens' uh, nephew, but I mean son, by the way. Just quick. Note. I didn't know he was his son's. No, I did not. Yeah, but it, again, I was really happy for the kid. I know, like it, the first time he got on the field was like three weeks ago. Then he had a 52 yard catch in the national championship game. He's a big time receiver that will probably be down the line drafted somewhere and be able to, you know, be exploding in the NFL next year when his, when his legs all the way better and everything else. So, you know, again, I really enjoyed watching the game. The two running backs for Georgia, obviously I love them. I think they're fun, white and cook. So, you know, and then the burnt uh, Bowers that, you know, let's be honest with you. The Alabama defense did a good job taking Burton and Bowers out of the play. I mean, they didn't make too many, they weren't like huge in the in the game. They they did a little here and there. I mean, by what the Alabama's defense did a good job game planning it up. And uh, you know, like I said, that if the defense doesn't score that touchdown, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot closer game than than what the score represents now. Yeah, and I, I would say real quick on Brock Bowers, man, he is a freak though. I know he didn't do like a ton. He had a touchdown, but like as a true freshman, that kid is. Phenomenal. I think the difference in the game, like, and honestly, I will, and no disrespect to Stetson Bennett, man. He had a nice season for what the player that he is. He's not an NFL caliber player. He's just a good, solid college football player. And he had a good season and he didn't make any debilitating mistakes last night. But I'll tell you, David, when I saw down the stretch there that Georgia was just manhandling the Alabama defense up front at the end of the game and they were just getting downhill. Zamir White and Cook, both of them, just getting chunks and chunks and chunks. We had seen in the past, at least under Nick Saban, well, I mean, Alabama's one of the historic programs of all time, so it's not just under Nick Saban, but under Nick Saban, they control the front, The they control both fronts, offensively and defense, and they control tempo of football games. And they are the guys that really put, you know, they just put the emphasis on being dominant and being physical and controlling everything as far as inside the trenches. And Georgia punched him in the mouth down the down the stretch there. They really did. Georgia's offensive line played their best football down the stretch when they needed it and when they needed it most. So shout out to Georgia. They did everything they need to. I mean, I can't wait to talk about it, David, because in a you know just a few weeks here, we're gonna start really diving heavy into the NFL draft, right? We're gonna get into it very soon here, and like you said, there are NFL draft picks, both eligible and non-eligible, on both teams that are just silly. It's it's silly because Jamison Williams, John Mechie, 
Brian Robinson Jr., Cameron Latu at tight end, Evan Neal, uh, Bryce Young eventually. I mean, that's just the Alabama offense of guys that are going to play in the NFL. And then on that Georgia defense, for a single season, that was one of the more dominant defenses I've ever seen in college football in my ever, life. Ever. Ever. Like, ever. I, mean, I, I mean, of course, I'll think back to, like, the U, right, when they had Vince Wofork and Ed Reed and DJ Williams and Jonathan Vilma, and, like, those teams were just silly at talented, right? Warren Sapp, obviously, way back in the day, like – there's some out. There's some Miami teams that you're just like that is insane that they had that collection of talent on it. But for a season in a vacuum, Georgia's defense was just dumb. It was oh, so dumb. And, like, like that, I, I was telling friends after the third week, I watched the first three games. I'm like, this is an NFL defense. Like this, the they talent could, level, yeah, is mm-hmm. they're all going. I don't. I, it doesn't matter if they're getting drafted. They're all going <laughs> to the right. NFL. They, you know, they might not all get drafted, but they're all going to get a shot. All 11 cool. starters on that defense are getting a shot. Oh, 100%. And, and I'm really excited, obviously, to keep tabs on some of their guys for this year. And the other thing I'll say, man, is it doesn't happen often, but now next year, Nick Saban and his crew are going to have a little chip on their shoulder, and they have both. Will Anderson that you mentioned, they got other guys like like Dallas Turner, and there's going to be a bunch of dudes, obviously. So I'm not I'm not just skating past two, um, everyone, but I'm going to highlight two guys. They have Will Anderson, who is the best player in college football this year, bar none, best player in college football, and they the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback and Bryce Young coming back, two of the best players in college football with a pissed off Nick Saban and his team. Alabama's coming for blood next year, man. They are going to be a good football team, as they are every single year. Did you see how smart of a coach Nick Saban was at the post-conference? Oh, dude, wasn't that great? That was so fantastic, honestly. But, see, I didn't know know Anderson was a a sophomore, okay? But when I saw him do it, I just was like, that's coaching. Because he's already coaching them for next year. He didn't want those kids to have that in their pit all year, Mm -hmm. all offseason, right? He'll call on it next year, but he didn't want it to ruin them all offseason. So by calling them up and saying what a good job they did and everything in front of everybody, it probably alleviated a little of that pressure, yeah. even though those are going to be his two studs, like you said, next year. I thought that was brilliant coaching already for next year. And it was so cool to see because I, I think a lot of people, when they think about Nick Saban, they just think of like, you know, oh, just – win at all costs, and I mean, of course, he obviously is going to try to win at all costs. He's a, he's a coach, right? Like, that's what he's born to do. Or that's what he gets paid to do. But showing that type of humility and that type of backing to players in that moment, like, if a recruit doesn't want to go to Alabama just because they're Alabama and they develop football players and they win national championships, to see that coach do something like that for those players in that much of a moment where, of course, he's disappointed – both the players are disappointed. I thought that was just a class act by Nick Saban. I've really enjoyed, obviously, that moment. So I think that's a great way to end it. We want to thank everybody, whether you're tuning in Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Make sure you go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Leave a rating. If you want to throw a, a, a question on one of your ratings, we will answer it in a weekly mailbag. We have no problem doing that. Make sure to check out MaverickSportsConsulting.com. And, of course, continue to su- support the podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. As always, each week, bring in the energy, bring in the comments. We thank you all. Enjoy playoff football. 
and we will be back next week, same time, same place. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.